1: don't really know as much about me or like whatever, but I've heard a lot of your podcasts. I think that you are doing a fabulous job. I saw you, I first found you in the life coach school with Brooke. And um, I think you were on one of the calls inside of scholars and you just got on and started talking about style. And I was like, this girl's got a point and she's quite hilarious as well. And then I saw you again on her podcast. And then I listened to your interview with um, Renee Sager as well. um, Oh, okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah, I gotta I have Renee. her. On. She's a crack up. Renee is a total crack up. So yeah, no, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you we're able to do this. And I was stalking you, of course, on the socials and the internet just to see what you had produced yeah. and watching your IGTV videos. So I was like, okay, this is gonna be a really good conversation. Yeah.
1: I guess let's start right off the bat. First of all, like, because we're already recording everything. Like, obviously, I brought you on. This is Judith. Well, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Gaton? Is that correct? Yeah.
2: Good time. Yeah. You got it. Yeah.
1: All right. Judith Gaton. And you're obviously a style coach on your website, a style coach for um, curvy women, which I think is fabulous. And like you teach people how important style is and how like that affects your confidence and other things. Um, and then also your podcast as well. But I wanted to ask, you know, have you ever worked with anyone that struggles with eating disorders just out of curiosity?
2: So a lot of ladies come to me, um, in different stages. So typically if someone is not in recovery from an eating disorder, I will advise them to go get help with someone who specializes Mm -hmm. in eating disorders. Um, I stay in my lane, but also a lot of the work I do with my clients involves the mirror sometimes. So if I'm working with someone and then I start to realize maybe they're having a little bit of body dysmorphia, Or they're in recovery and they had not previously disclosed it then we change the route we take to kind of accommodate the fact that we probably shouldn't spend so much time in front of the mirror if someone has a past history of eating disorder so um just depending on where the client comes to me but typically if they present with you know i do have an eating disorder i'm in recovery i find out how far along in recovery they are and then Mm -hmm. i'll send them to additional resources and places they can go to get help um because that is its own specializing right there's coaches like you yeah. god who specialize in this field and have expertise here because it is its own thing and it's the the words we use in like for weight loss are not going to apply to your lovely clients and you have to be so careful with the messages we send them and how we talk to them so
1: no yeah you're right and still like of course there's always a gray area in coaching too where it's still like even in this sort of territory I have to be careful about who I work with because sometimes like they need more than what coaching can provide as well you know there's like there's lots of things in there but can I ask I want to also like talk about your background because I think that's really interesting I know a few things about that um but you mentioned mirror work like what what do you do with someone like I know you have people stand front of the mirror and like work on that. And like, what is that about? Can you just explain that to me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that's a great question. Great follow-up. So um, when they first come into my program, they spend a week sending pictures of themselves. So they snap a selfie of their outfit and they send it to me every day for the first week that we spend together. We call it awareness week just so we can figure out what thoughts they think about themselves, how they feel about themselves. So it's like a great thought finding exercise. It's sort of the first layer of mirror work. Um, I have some clients who ignore themselves, like literally have probably not spent any time in front of the mirror in months, weeks, some of them even years, they completely ignore themselves. Like they get ready almost with like a glance and then they're out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is a chance for them to pay attention to themselves again and figure Mm -hmm. out what's going on with their relationship with their self. So the mirror is a great way to do that. However, (laughs) if you have a history of disordered eating, um, and you've spent any time with any sort of picking behaviors, whether it's pulling out your hair, picking at your skin, Mm. um, being in front of the mirror for a long period of time is actually the opposite of what we want to do for you. So there's a different modality that I use if I notice any of those kind of behaviors or like severe trepidation on the part of my client to take a selfie um, or stand in front of the mirror for a long time, then we go with um, a different modality. And I'll work with them on identifying their feelings about Mm -hmm. themselves in a different way that doesn't involve the mirror. But if if they're game and they're open to it and we're not going to trigger anything, then yeah, we totally start with mirror work because I think it can be really powerful.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think When you said you just take a picture of yourself and the, what you're wearing and send it to you for a week. I just was like, oh my God, I would, (laughs) I would not be able to do that. I mean, like I would obviously wouldn't trigger anything, but I I would just be like, feel a little bit bad about some of the outfits I was wearing, you know, which I'm sure when people do that, they're like, oh, this is what I'm wearing today. Okay. And you send the picture along, like you said, awareness week, it really makes you think about what you're dressing yourself in.
2: Yeah, because I'm thinking about the, there's like a few things going on. There's, one thing is when you look at yourself in the mirror and you kind of go about your day. Another thing is when you snap a selfie and you have that level of objectivity between yourself and the selfie. And then you're like, oh, this is what's going on for me. And obviously, Mm -hmm. we're taking a three-dimensional figure and we're flattening it down to 2D. So there's all kinds of things there. And then too. The fact that you think someone else is going to potentially judge this picture, which I'm not because I love my clients so fiercely, but they think I'm going to judge them. So all their own self-judgment will come up as part of like, well, what is Miss J going to say? And then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, these are excellent thought finders. This is actually what you're thinking has nothing to do with me. Although I've had a few who've confessed like in week two, and then we have to repeat the process, which is so fun. They're like, I dressed up all of week one. (laughs) of course yeah how I dress and I just think it's so funny I'm like okay well let's do this again but can you not pretend like I want you to see how you really show up it has nothing to do with my thoughts about it you need to Mm -hmm. see you as you really are um and it's just a really powerful exercise it's super funny though when they like confess like okay I got dressed up for you like it's Mm not for me it was never for me that's the point of this it was always for you
1: yeah I would totally Now that I think of it, if I had to do it, I would probably do that. i probably have the urge to do it. And then I'd be like, Ugh. maybe on day one and then the second day I'd be too lazy and do that. <laughs> but you know, it's funny you said people like ignore them because a lot of my clients will also just kind of ignore the mirror or they'll be too obsessed with it. But when you ignore it, it depends on where you're at and what's going on for you. But I find that that can sometimes make the problem worse because you're not even used to what you're looking at or what you look like. And so it's like a shock whenever you see yourself sometimes.
2: Yeah. And I I think if if it's not going to trigger any behaviors that you're working on eliminating, I'll, I'll couch it that way, um, then yeah, I think it is a pretty powerful tool because we spend so much of our lives in our heads, especially if you're recovering from any type of disordered eating or picking behavior or anything like that. Like, you spend so much time in your head that sometimes it is helpful to see what you look like. For a lot of my clients who've gained a lot of weight and they have a lot of shame around their size, they start to ignore themselves and then they see a picture that a family member posted on Facebook or on Instagram, they were tagged in something and like the shock and dismay, it's like, I didn't realize I was that big. And it's like, well, when was the last time you actually looked at yourself? Like really Mm -hmm. looked at yourself? Um, I have some clients who don't have any full length mirrors in their house. It's just like they can see their right. face only or they see themselves in zoom screens all the time. And it's like, well, there's a whole other half of you <laughs> that exists mm-hmm. that you may not be familiar with and not for the sake of, we have to slim it down, wear Spanx, smooth it out or anything like that. Just, this is you, this is where you're living while you're here on planet earth. Might as well get acquainted right. with, your actual home that you happen to be living in. So yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful when you start to like spend enough time so that you're not a shock to yourself. You're not a surprise to yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, what you just said about like, this is the home that you're living in on this earth and I'm all about like, I, it's a little different because in eating disorders, there's controversy around this, but I do believe like you can change your body if you want in in a very like healthy, sustainable way, it's gotta be careful. But like at any size, that is your home, You're a freaking human being. And people treat themselves that they're ashamed of their body. Anyway, they treat themselves so terribly and try to like hide themselves away. And it just seems like such a travesty because it's the body you're experiencing. It's where you're, you're here with it. So it seems like you're kind of just limiting yourself in so many ways. Um, When it comes to, you know, obviously your style coach for curvy women, when it comes to helping those clients of yours who feel a lot of shame about the size that they're at, how do you even begin to tackle them feeling confident in their bodies as it is?
2: Yeah. So, um, there's like a myriad of ways, but the like sort of typical way is we just start to pay attention to the body. So awareness week is a great opportunity to do that. Um, another thing we'll do is just like being aware and suddenly when you start taking pictures of yourself, you're aware of things that don't fit well. Like again, mm. like we're just raising your awareness. So one of the first things we do is because a lot of people are attached to the size of the tag, right? What's the number on that tag? What does the tag size say? Mm-hmm. What does that make you, you know, what am I making it mean about me and my worth and my value? So a lot of times like people are squeezing themselves into things that are just really too small. Mm-hmm. So part of awareness week is not just like, what are your thoughts and feelings about yourself? Like, what are the physical sensations you're having in your body wearing clothes that are too tight? Suddenly your right. awareness is really raised and you're like, oh, okay, that keeps pinching me. I have to rub my belly at night. My, you know, belly hurts. You know, this pair of pants are up my crotch all day or whatever the case mm-hmm. is, right? Like wedgie monsters, all the things that you experience when your clothes <laughs> are too monsters. tight. <laughs> Like, (laughs) it's so uncomfortable, and suddenly, like, you can't ignore it.
0: Mm -hmm. So then,
2: once we get, like, okay, here's the physical distractions, physical discomforts I've been living with, and all my janky-ass thoughts about myself, and these feelings about myself, it's almost like that discontent is, like, the invitation to make the change. But we ignore ourselves for so long, we don't even realize the level of discontent and discomfort we've been sort of putting up with. So one of the first things we have to do is kind of look around with as objective an eye as you can and say like, this is just not working for me anymore. Especially if you have shame around a tag size or the size and shape you are, like those things that you've been putting up with because you're so ashamed of the number, like almost become like irrelevant. It's like, get me out of these pants, get me out of these clothes Mm -hmm. that don't fit. So we can take that discontent as an invitation to like make some changes. And accept where you are right now, where physical comfort becomes like the norm. And then the next layer is like, well, how do you want to dress? Like, Mm. you should be comfortable. Let's accept that as like the minimum requirement. And like, well, then the next question is like, how do you want to show up? What do you want to wear? Well,
1: and not feeling comfortable makes you feel terrible. Like it just puts you in a bad mood. It's, and you mentioned something a while ago that stuck with me. And that's something I want to bring up is that being like having clothes that don't fit you properly and and wearing things that are just a little too small or kind of old or whatever it it's a distraction really it's just is like something going on in the background and you have to think about it instead of thinking about other awesome things instead
2: yeah and I think like every woman can relate to this like and it doesn't have to be clothing like just shoes I think we all can universally understand like wearing shoes that are too small but you're like <laughs> yeah. having to walk like a certain distance and then you're meeting other humans so it's like okay all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna put up with that beauty is pain or whatever we tell ourselves right mm-hmm. and the entire function social interaction m- interview whatever it may be all we can think about is that horrible pulsating pain <laughs> that's coming from yeah. our feet right so like i mean obviously it's like a pretty extreme example but we all have some version of this whether it's the wedgie, the bra that's too tight, the pants that you know if you sit just that right way, they might split, or they're really gonna dig into your stomach. Yeah. Or your stomach goes numb. Like all of us have these experiences, like and it's that low level of hum, that pulsating little pain sensation, right? And like why and are you associate that? that
1: with your body, really the clothes of the problem. But you're like, yeah. if my body were smaller, and I have one person tell me, um, she's a really sweet client, she was saying and I think in our consult. She's like, I just want to be able to wear the shorts, like the shorts I wore a while ago, right? That are a few sizes smaller that she cannot fit into right now. And she's like, it would just be easier if I could lose the 10 pounds to get into those shorts. And I was like, it would just be easier to buy new shorts for right now. You can keep those shorts, but like what you're saying doesn't make any sense, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah, no, it's like, I think it's like, well, if I cut off my arm, it'd be so much easier. And it's like... <laughs> No, yeah. we're not like removing appendages. We just go buy new clothes. Like this is mm-hmm. not this. <laughs> Why is that the thing? But I think we've all been socialized and programmed to think that that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed right. to like conform our bodies, squish our bodies, remove stuff off of our bodies in order to fit into clothes. And it's the opposite. The clothes are supposed to conform to us. We don't have to yeah. do anything.
1: Well, do you ever get this objection? I think it's more so people know that it's easier, but the idea of getting new clothes that are a size up that, or, or just whatever size there are people think that's like giving up or it's yeah. not, it's giving in.
2: Yeah. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. So what I often tell those people is like squishing yourself, um, causing like unnecessary pain, like all of those things are not going to get you to that goal weight, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> causing yourself actual physical pain and then shaming yourself and belittling yourself is never going to produce the result of sustainable lasting weight loss, whatever that means to that particular right. person. Right. Right like we can't shame ourselves into sustainable weight loss and healthy eating practices. Like Mm -hmm. we can't belittle ourselves, self-deprecate. I think you had an episode recently or you did an IGTV about self-deprecation. Like, like it's, it's not going to get us the lasting result that we want. Um, it's a signal to us that we have some thought work to do perhaps, but it's not going to get us like (laughs) goal weight results. So I just would say to all those people, like, there's a, there's a different way that's more sustainable. There's You can do this in a loving way. You can do this in a kind way. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be what you were taught. It totally doesn't have to be the what you were taught. And like, just trust me on this one. Because all those times you've attempted before didn't work. So maybe there's a different way this time. And whether you decide to lose weight or not will be completely up to you but we can at least dress the body you're in right now, make you physically comfortable and then free you up to go make some decisions.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying there about dressing in a a way that you're physically comfortable. Well, I guess like you should explain it since you're the expert. Like how does that actually help you?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, think about the relief that you feel when you get home and you fling your bra off because it's too tight. (laughs) too big (laughs) and messing with it all day, Mm -hmm. right? Like we can all relate to that. The shoes that you fling off because they were too tight and you just are so relieved taking off those jeans and feeling that wash of relief when your belly is released, right? Or the lovely sensation when you take off those two tight pairs of Spanx, Mm -hmm. two or three or four you happen to be wearing. Like the relief that you feel, like you can live in that relief all the time and that low (laughs) hum of like pain that's going off all the time like we quiet that and we're not ignoring it anymore so then you free up actual like brain space to go focus on other things there's also like hygienic things that are helpful when you're wearing clothes that actually fit you and things that are not too tight Mm -hmm. i will leave that all to your imagination (laughs) and then there's like you know the thing of confidence, it's hard to feel confident when you're wearing clothes that don't fit you.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a big reminder that they don't fit and that your body's not shaping into this and it makes you feel anything but confident for sure.
2: Right. Exactly. So it's like these little distractions, these little distractions, these little things that are energy sucks that are really little reminders of, you know, whatever you're feeling ashamed about on your body. So if we just put clothes on you. They don't have to be fancy, y'all. They could just be clothes that fit you. We can quiet that part of your brain down. It's no longer in pain. It's no longer in fight or flight or freeze, right? And it's finally able to, like, have a little bit of extra space to make some decisions from a place where it's not in pain mm-hmm. and it's not being tormented by its own thoughts. It's like, it's yeah. like telling someone that we have been prodding and poking all day long, all day long. We're prodding and poking and we're like, make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. <laughs> right. Like, what are decisions are we gonna get out of that human when we've been messing with them all day? Same mm-hmm. applies to your clothes. You've been messing with yourself all day and you think you're gonna have a clear head to make awesome decisions and go create wonderful things. Probably not, but if we put clothes on you that are at least comfortable, we free up that part of your brain And you're not part of the poking and prodding of your own self. There's external sources Mm -hmm. you might have to deal with. But at least we eliminate you and your janky clothes from the equation.
1: Yeah, you're taking care of what you can control. You know, you can't change the universe. But clothes are something you generally can control. And I like that they don't have to be, like you said something about the first thing that usually changes the underwear for people that's like yes. the basics and i actually just ordered some new underwear and um Yay! i was like i know i was like going through all of my i think my boyfriend was doing the laundry and he's like why do you even like some of this underwear <laughs> so i was like no i should change it and i got myself like i got him like a little bit larger because i can't stand like tight clothing that much and it's just the best thing ever. It fits me so well. And it, you're right. It just makes you feel 10 times better. And it's just a simple change of having well-fitted underwear.
2: Yeah. It, it's such a small investment, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a small monetary investment depending on the undergarments you choose to select. But like sure, yeah. even a fresh pack of Hanes that happens to fit you is better than like lacy under things that are crawling up your ass all day. Like mm-hmm. let's just be real. So yeah like it could be low cost like threshold in terms of investing the return on that investment is just crazy town in terms of feeling better um setting it and forgetting it so we're freeing up brain space but also think of literally y'all the time that you amount of times you wear a pair of underwear for some of us mm-hmm. it's insane like i had a challenge recently and one of the fun questions i asked in there was like tell the truth shame the devil How old is your oldest piece of underwear? And some of those, like people, were cracking me up. And I mean, for some, it was like two decades, right? So, like, we get a ton of like cost per use on a pair of underwear is probably like point zero 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 zero, like one cent. So, like the return on investment monetarily, in terms of feeling better and just like freeing up space, like y'all just throw out them janky undies, like.
1: (laughs) when you said that I was like oh my god I still have some underwear from high school totally do it was just like 2013 <laughs> and I'm like oh god <laughs> you know yeah uh,
2: I think all of us right so take a cue mm-hmm. from Judith and Jacqueline like or Jacqueline <laughs> are you Jacqueline I don't know uh, Jacqueline yeah Jacqueline mm-hmm. okay yes take a cue from us clean out your underwear drawer please do yourself mm-hmm. that beautiful favor and again doesn't have to be fancy just has to fit you
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it doesn't, I like that it doesn't have to be fancy. Like a lot of people are like, that's expensive and you can find good deals that even a pack of Hanes will do just some, something. And like, okay, when you invest in clothing also, what do you think that says, like, what do you think your thoughts are thinking about you when you're saying, Hey, I'm buying this for you? I feel like it provokes really good thoughts about your self-worth.
2: Yeah, I think it can. So, um, for our non-shopaholic friends, <laughs> or oh. getting little dopamine <laughs> rushes from <laughs> buying clothes, um, really, I think it just. And here, it just, again, it doesn't have to be expensive clothes. It's just taking the time out to think bigger picture. How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to mm-hmm. show up for this season of life? How do I want to show up for this role that I happen to be playing? how do I want to show up for this important event? How do I want to show up just for me when I'm lounging around my house? Mm -hmm. Like I have some clients, we, we spend our, you know, our time together and all we do is we up-level their loungewear and their PJs.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's
2: where they were actually spending a lot of their at home time. So it's like, well, let's make that the best experience ever. Right? So we could up-level even just your PJs and your jammies and the rest of your outward facing clothes could be whatever they are. Like, The beautiful thing is it really stops and allows you to like decide for yourself what you think is going to be stylish, what you want to wear closest to your heart (laughs) on your body. Mm -hmm. Like this is all about like developing that relationship with yourself. So it is an investment really in a bigger picture version of you. Now Mm -hmm. we could swap out like obviously financial concerns for the bigger picture because we're all humans having a human experience. So sometimes we're not going to be able to buy the absolutely fabulous all satin, you know, whatever the thing is. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we might want to make that investment. Really, it's just the process of taking the time to ask yourself, what do I want and how do I want to show up? I think that's really the beautiful thing that clothes allows us to do in a way that we're not always thoughtful about in other areas of our life. So if we can practice that meta skill, even just with our clothes, with our panties, with our bras, with our under things, if we can practice that meta skill of, like, what do I want? (laughs) How do I want to show up? We can start to apply Mm -hmm. that everywhere else. So it gets really exciting when you've got that down and you've practiced that skill there where you can take it. So I think that's the beautiful thing about clothes in terms of thinking them like an investment. Then we have this bigger picture way that we can apply all those tools.
1: Yeah, it absolutely translates. And it is like the way you're showing up in the world. And, and, making those decisions, they seem small, but little by little, it's like, you're telling yourself what you want and building your style, which brings me to another question. I have like so many things I want to ask you. So, and no, like, no I feel bad because <laughs> I haven't even asked you about like your, for these, those of you guys that don't know, like she has a law degree and all this other stuff. And then went into fashion, like, I feel like we're missing a lot of the loveliness that is Judith, but I was going to ask you about, um, like building one style and how do you even go about doing that?
2: Yeah. Like not just so, the,
1: obviously pick comfortable
2: clothes, but. Comfortable clothes, right? That's like the first threshold. <laughs> and then the next mm-hmm. threshold is what you define as your style. So one of the fun things to think about is fashion's external. it's what's happening out there in the universe. Style is personal to you. So it means it's going to be defined by you in a completely different way than the person sitting next to you. So I like to think of style as it's the outward reflection of your thoughts and feelings about yourself. So we can put style as like these words strung together equal style in my brain. When I think about these things, I feel stylish. So we can play with the concept in two different ways as a thought experiment and also like an emotional experiment. What emotions can I conjure up by the things I decide to wear and what I choose to think about those things? Or what do I deliberately want to think in order to create a feeling that I like? So style is like this really fun place to play. It's like a thought and an emotion experiment, which Mm -hmm. means it's personal. So the feelings I want to conjure up in my body that I equate to stylishness, for me, it's like I want to feel elegant. I want to feel a little taller. When I'm feeling stylish, like... I will stand straighter. I, that's just how my body works. I am like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. My head will be a little taller. I'll feel expansive, but I also feel really calm. That's my version of stylish. I'm kind of a nervous personality in general. So when I'm feeling my most stylish, I suddenly feel a little calmer. For some of my clients, though, who are, so let's say, sort of more calm naturally, stylish to them is like feeling sassy, feeling lit up, a lot more Mm. energy right so different for every single person so the first area in terms of defining your own personal style is to really kind of think about that as there's fashion happening outside of me so those are trends magazines advertisements what my best friend happens to be wearing and then there's style which is personal which is like how do I want to think about myself how do I want to feel about myself how do I want to show up in the world Hmm, I like love answering that. Those questions for yourself is a great way to tap into what you are going to define as your personal style. And it's going to be different for every single person, which gets really juicy and fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like how many of us have thought when we're shopping online, how do I want to feel? Just that question alone. And what, what do I want to um, think when I'm wearing this and what do I want it to provoke? That's such a good way to go about it. I usually, I'm just being honest here. Like I was just looking at clothes the other day and like debating whether or not to get them. Cause I, I have trouble buying stuff for myself most of the time, but I was like, I think I'll just look really good in that. And it'd be so much cooler to think about like, how will I feel wearing those? Why do I want yes. that? You know? And like, what, what do I want to think about while I'm wearing it? It's just lovely. And it's yeah, much or more, even
2: reverse that a little bit. Like, what do I want to feel like? And then the clothes have to meet that requirement.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I was just going to say, like, you'd be much more careful to think about how you decided what you put into your wardrobe. Because some people can have the tendency to, like, just buy clothes they don't really absolutely love, things like that, or um, they'll buy some. I feel like if you're making it from that decision standpoint... You're going to be more careful and select pieces that truly, truly fit you and keep them for longer as well.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. And then this mm-hmm. whole like, what do I buy? I don't know what to buy. I don't know what to wear. Like that sort of falls into the background because you have such a clear vision of how you want to feel that anything that just doesn't meet that requirement, whatever those are for you, it's just so easy to say no to them. Even if they're on sale, <laughs> like, yeah. it's mm-hmm. easier to say no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember, so like fitness brands do this all the time. They're like, it's a launch and like, it's going to be gone and you can only shop in like five minutes or everything's going to be gone. I hate those types of things, the urgency that you feel. And it's like, why? I remember stopping that a while ago. I was like, I do not want to feel pressured into a clothing decision. If they do not have it, oh well. But I was like, I was also buying it because it was on sale, you know? And it's like, I don't even really love it. Why am I doing this? You know, it's not, there's no point to it.
2: Yeah. And if anything is like when you are shopping with a little more intention, like this is how I want to feel this season. This is, you know, how I want to show up this season. Your shopping list gets a lot smaller. It's a lot more well-defined. Mm-hmm. So cool. If you go out and you happen to find, you know, for example, I have a client who's really wants some like gray raw hem jeans right now we're on the hunt and I'm like, great. Like that gives us a very specific place to go. If we happen to find them on sale, that's amazing. But we're not going with the like goal of Barrett, you know buying three pairs of jeans. No, we mm-hmm. have one very specific kind of jean in mind that we're going on the hunt for. If it's on sale, great. If it's not, that's okay because we're only buying this one. We're not trying to buy in multiples and duplicates. I think a lot of people wait, to call it like ass on fire, hair on fire shopping. It's like, yeah. absolutely nothing fits. <laughs> your favorite stuff all has holes. You have an important thing coming up and now you have to go to the store and you fucking hate shopping
0: and mm-hmm. your ass is
2: on fire, your hair is on fire, and that's the attitude you're going shopping in. Like, of course, the first thing on sale that you see, you're going to buy it even though you secretly hate it. And take it home <laughs> because you want to like turn that fire that you feel down right like yeah. no more shopping like that if we start to do it with a little more intention we have really small what I call intelligent shopping lists. we're gonna have a much better experience mm-hmm. while shopping no more ass on fire shopping that's the worst.
1: intelligent shopping list too and you're right like when you're carrying that sale item home too you know you know you're not gonna wear it that often you know it's gonna end up in the back of your closet it's just not gonna serve any purpose
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Other than to check the box that you got the thing for wherever you needed it for that moment. Right.
1: And then it's, it's going in the bottom of the drawer. So I I wanted to ask you kind of shifting gears here. I don't know if you've encountered this, but I have some clients who, again, they have struggles with their body image. Right. And so they wear like a lot of baggy clothes because they're self-conscious about it. And those baggy clothes really become their armor in a way. And they, um kind of feel scared to branch out and things like that have you ever worked with anyone like that
2: yes yes so a few things number one if you're using clothing like a body armor like if you suffered some trauma in the past or have a history of seeing your body other than it actually is when you look in the mirror what mm-hmm. we want to do is make sure that you have some sort of treatment for whatever the underlying trauma is because we don't want to take away essentially like your woobie or your invisibility cloak or what you call is like your safety armor. Like we don't want to just take that away from you for the point of being like, okay, those clothes are too big. It's like, yeah, but you're wearing too big clothes for a reason. So we want to validate that and acknowledge that and kind of make sure that's well addressed before we get to the next stage of like, Hey, let's try and work on convincing your brain. that It's totally safe. Mm -hmm. Like, if you wear a shirt that actually fits you, nothing is going to occur. It's just a shirt that fits you. But if someone has a past history of trauma, you just want to be really sensitive to that before we start taking away clothes that are too big. Now, I have some clients who, <laughs> I had one client who loved black cardigans and we called them like the black cardigan whoobies. And they were just like, there <laughs> were a ton of them. I think they were like 20 or something when we counted. It was just oh my kind goodness. of intense. she just kept buying them like she forgot how many she had she kept buying them she would just like wrap herself in these (laughs) things and she didn't have a history of trauma she just kind of had some body image issues that she hadn't exactly worked through so for Mm -hmm. that kind of client it was like okay let's pare it down like what are your actual favorites what are the ones you actually wear so for all of my mamas out there my ladies out there my people out there who wear cardigans as invisibility cloaks or um wear hoodies as invisibility cloaks i want you to really just we're not ready to pry them all away i'm not even going to do that to you mm-hmm. i really just want you to consider what are the ones you're actually wearing and what is just like sort of the just in case your favorite woobie isn't clean and you at like you have to wear the ugly one you don't even like like let's get rid of those <laughs> like mm-hmm. the ones you're not actually wearing let's start to whittle down the amount of like woobies we have in the closet and then really start to just ask yourself before you head out of the house and you're like where's my cardigan where's my hoodie where's my drapey scarf blanket thing that i put Mm -hmm. on myself like do i really need it
1: Mm, that's a good question
2: just like gently 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 start to like remind your brain like how about we just go to target this once without the hoodie and we'll just see what happens
1: right Mm -hmm.
2: Like, what if we just go to run that quick errand and we don't bring our cardigan with us?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. What's going to happen?
2: What's going to happen? Like just start to like acclimatize your brain that for the most part, no one's going to notice nothing's going to occur. Now Mm catcalling and craziness happens in the world because we're interacting with other humans, but for the most part, like it's totally going to be okay.
0: Yeah, like, absolutely. For
2: some of us, like we have to gently, we're not going to pry them out of your hands if you're not ready yet, but just start to consider on small occasions, like, do I really need this? And for those of you who are ready, here's what I would say to you all. Is something I tell my clients who are in the position where they're like, I'm ready to get rid of these is it doesn't actually do what you think it's doing. So hmm. I kind of, the analogy I use is clown shoes. So if a clown wears shoes that are 10 times too big, it doesn't mask his feet it actually just draws attention to his feet hmm. so if yeah. we're wearing cardigans pants t-shirts whatever fill in the blank clothing item that we think is like an invisibility cloak it's actually doing the opposite of what you want it's actually drawing attention to that part of body by making it appear larger because mm-hmm. you're wearing clothes that are too big so it's actually an ineffective like tool for protecting yourself like you have the means available to you to do that and it doesn't have to require you wearing clothes that are, you know, three sizes, four sizes, five sizes too big. Yeah, so, I, I love also that. want to offer that as another way of thinking about this.
1: Yeah, sorry, there's like a plane going overhead. I don't know if you can hear that.
2: <laughs> I can't. I'm totally um, fine. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I completely agree with all that, and I love what you said in the beginning about um, people. There's usually historical sort of trauma, or there's something else going on, and you can't just pry it away immediately. That's just being like take it off and then throwing them into the water without like knowing how to swim. You know, it's just, it's just too extreme. But sometimes I find it helpful to like, like you said, go over the reasons why, because people, um, when you try to just strip something away from someone and call them crazy for wanting to keep it really doesn't like, it makes you feel horrible. And there's, A reason why you're doing these things, you know, that you're not just wearing that for no apparent reason whatsoever. So I love that you said that and actually going through it and talking about it. And then another thing is kind of like questioning your brain when you are ready to kind of take it off or or go to the next stage, questioning it. And even if you wear it out still, like just noticing when you're doing it when you don't necessarily need to can be a good baby step in the right direction.
2: Yeah. And exactly. then, um, I love that. Yeah. Or like take it with you and then decide if you want to put it on totally okay. But let's start the, the outing out without it on. We can bring it with us just in cases. And then sometimes you might forget it. Sometimes you decide to put it on five minutes and totally okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so another good thing to tack on to what you're saying too, is what I found effective for the clients I have struggling with that is really going over what their brain is going to say to them when they are wearing clothes that aren't the the whoobies or whatever you're calling them, you know, like then they can at least mentally prepare for it and be like, oh, this is just what my brain is telling me. It's not actually true. And then what you said about the fact that it's not doing what you think it's doing, that just was like icing on the cake. Cause you're right. It really does draw more attention. And that's the exact opposite of what they want, you know?
2: Yeah, for most it, particularly women who've suffered any kind of abuse and are now wearing, you know, giant size clothing like it, it it's not actual armor my love. Like I know you think it is. It's just really not.
1: Mhm. Yeah. That's like that's a hard thing, but the the sooner you can realize that then you can move on to something way better.
2: Yeah. And more effective. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So I know that, like, let me check the time so I don't want to run over or anything. Um, Can I ask, massively switching gears again, but how did you, um, for the, I know it, I've heard you talk about it, but I really want, like, the audience to know about it. How did you go from law to becoming a style coach?
2: Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Damn, girl, it's been a journey. Completely switching gears. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a journey. No, I love it. I, 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 this question is so fun because I love that people are, like, delighted by the story, which is so fun for me to tell mm-hmm. it. So, um, yeah, in short, I wanted to be a fashion designer growing up. And then I went to undergrad originally to be a fashion designer. And then I got, um, really weird, uh, feedback from <laughs> a professor, um, that I was technically perfect, but boring. And that was very devastating <sighs> awful. to me. Yeah. I just, and I know that you're into art and you're creative too so can you imagine Mm -hmm. like your young self being told that it was yeah I was not ready to receive that information I Um, have
1: um my first day of art class one of my teachers took my drawing down and said this is precious and then told the whole class nothing is precious because he was like he was trying to encourage us that like none of our art mattered because we were being designers so we need to just get used to drawing but I was like crushed I just it like stole my soul away of the art you know it's so like I can relate to your experience on some level for sure
2: yeah you have that like sudden like melting feeling in your face and you just want to be a puddle on the floor like that omelie, yeah you, that scene in Amelie which is a puddle of water like that that sensation in case anyone's wondering what that felt like yeah it's awful it's really awful it's it's super awful and at that point I you know I was so worried about this that I was just like, okay, maybe I should do something else. And, you know, with the encouragement of my family, who was like, you're really smart. You should be a lawyer. You'd be good at that. (laughs) I was like, okay, sure. I'll go do that. That's easier. That's Mm -hmm. easier, which is, again, so funny. And if any of you creatives out there are like, I want something more stable or more whatever, do you, boo? Just stay with your art, (laughs) stick with it, stick with it. Even if you get a more quote unquote stable job, like whatever that means, um, really just stick with your art in some form or fashion. Like keep doodling, keep drawing, keep designing, just keep at it. I wish I had told my younger self that. So I'm telling all of you from just such a place of love. Um, And then I became a lawyer. I moved all the way up through being a lawyer. So I reached partner status at my law firm. Um, I took specialized, like, you know, special things that you can do as an attorney, when you pass the bars, you can specialize. So I specialized, I mean, as far up as you can go, I did all the things. Mm. And then I found life coaching and I prayed, like, okay, help me, God, to find a way where I can, like, match all the things that I love all in one place. Where, like, I'm helping women, I'm working on style, and we're talking about people's thoughts and goals and dreams. Like, whatever that job is, like, that's the job I wanna do. And I worked with coaches who were like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. You could just make it up. You can make up a thing and then go do that. Like, wait, we can wait. What is happening? Like, you can make up a job and that's your job. And that's what I've done. So I've created a whole niche where I get to do just that. I get to talk to smart, amazing women who are incredible, who are fluffy, curvy, if they you know, whatever they couch themselves as. And we get to talk about style, we get to talk about thoughts, we get to talk about money and career advancement and all the things. And I seriously I, I have the best job ever mm. in the
1: world. Yeah. That's a good feeling to have, you know, you don't, I felt the same way about coaching too. It's like, I really have the best job ever. This is what I'm made to do for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. you like find your people and then you get to love on them because you understand them and it's just, I feel like it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and you. Are so closely connected to your clients, it seems like you really know what they're going through. You had to go through your own journey, and now you get to pass that on to someone else. It's the best feeling ever.
2: Yeah, I think about them all the time. And even when I learn new things, and you probably experience this as well, right? You learn something new, you're studying it, and you're like, oh, here's, I'm gonna show my people this new thing I've learned, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. get all excited. So, yeah, that's the joy of it is like, I learn more as I grow more than I can take it back to the women I serve and help them mm-hmm. through whatever level they're at with the same thing. So it's really good. Really, really good. Yeah.
1: yeah. And how crazy that you thought like law would be easier. I can't imagine <laughs> 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 like just being like, okay, I was in art school, but I was kind of like, I don't know. I, I still went through, but like a year in, I knew that the degree I was getting in art was not for me, but I just stuck with it it's like i don't know what to do i'm just going to keep on going it worked out but i can't imagine being like i'll just go do law as my alternative my backup plan how how confident
2: I don't know that I was confident. I think at the time I probably would have been like, oh, it's confident. I'm confident about this decision. I had professors who were dismayed. Um, And I always kind of forget them. But the older I get, the more I remember. Like I had two professors and I will name them because they were lovely, amazing women. Um, Dr. Burchell and um, Dr. Rockefeller. Not doctor. She's just a professor. Professor Rockefeller. Um, Both of them were like, what are you doing? this is a terrible idea. You should be a fashion designer. What is going on? What is happening? And I remember Dr. Bruchelle like was almost tearful. And she's like, the world needs artists. The world need art needs mm-hmm. artists. And she was so upset that I had made this decision. And um, she was my French professor even. It wasn't even like she was in the fashion design department, but she was interesting. so like heartbroken for me. And I don't think I fully understood what she was trying to convey until now I look back on it in hindsight and I'm like, what a powerful thing to like have tried to convey to me. Of course my 22-year-old brain was like, "I made a decision, blah blah blah." But no. Yeah. You
1: can't like when situations like that happen, you can't necessarily tell them everything that they don't know, right? You can just exactly. tell them in your own words and unfortunately people sometimes have to experience things for themselves. And you even though it like you, I don't think you look back, I don't know, I guess what you think, but I'm assuming you don't look back on it with regret because it really was the path that you needed to take to learn what she was trying to tell you. But it just sucks that sometimes when you watch people, it's like, if I could just save you a few years, but you know, (laughs) like they need to take that journey (laughs) and they're going to whether no matter how much you cry to them, not to.
2: A hundred percent. It was always the most my journey. And I was, and here's the thing, I was an incredible attorney i was very good at what i did because i had a creative background so i was able to calm down a lot of times and be like how can we problem solve this because everyone's arguing about the same freaking thing and i think y'all are on the same page and you don't even realize it like so a lot Mm -hmm. of times i was able to come in and be more creative and do wacky things that people are like, you can't do that. I'm like, watch me. We just make them up. We could do it. So like, mm-hmm. thank God I had a background of creativity before I became a lawyer because I was a really good lawyer. And then thank God I was a lawyer because I helped a lot of people in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to. And then there was a certain point in time where I realized I could affect more change on a bigger scale mm-hmm. as a coach than I could as an attorney. And that was the turning point for me. But I don't regret, I don't regret any of it.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a good point too. A lot of people think that lawyers, the only way to do that is to be highly logical and think in a systematic way. And of uh, clearly, I think you're probably able to do both. But creativeness can can offer very unique solutions, right? And it's the way to think differently outside the box it's why like companies sometimes will bring in new people, like new engineers to solve problems. Instead of the people that have been there the whole time, you kind of came in with this different mindset of everyone else, which I'm sure was such a huge advantage, as you're saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I remember, like, some of my opposing counsels, they'd be like, that is so weird. I'm like, yeah, I know, but it might work. So just just bear with me. Like, it's Mm -hmm. a totally weird thing to tell the judge, but I think it he might like it or she might like it. And oftentimes we'd go in and it was like, okay, counsel, you talk. Cause I don't even know what you're saying. And I'd be like, your honor, here's the plan. Blah, 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 blah. And then Jim'd be like, I like it. Go do that. <laughs> and then come back. I'm like, all right, we're going to go do that. Like, so you can be, even if you have a more quote unquote logical field that you're operating in for any of you listening, really like there's room for creativity. Like, it can be fun. You can let it be fun. (laughs) Let it be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's your
1: quote. (laughs) You can let it be fun. Yeah. I even say that about like different subjects entirely, of course, but with eating disorder recovery, obviously there are like really big dramatic things in there and it's an emotional event journey, but there can also be really fun parts about it. So like anything, there's a lot of ways you can let it be fun, but you have to actually allow it. If you don't allow for it, none of it's ever going to come
2: yeah absolutely and that doesn't take away from the hard parts or the parts where maybe you do have some regret or you wish you had done things differently like that doesn't detract from any of those feelings you're allowed to have all of those feelings and then you're also allowed to creatively decide to do something different all at the same time <laughs> the human experience it's so good yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. I feel like I've picked your brain um, a lot. So I appreciate you just answering rapid fire questions and just getting on here. It's been really nice having you on. Can I ask what's the best way for people to find you?
2: Yeah. So the best way to find me is you could just start with the style masterclass podcast. Um, it is a podcast that is like, there are eight minute episodes, eight to 12 minutes. So you can listen to a ton of them all at once and then go take action I give you what I call Glam Gal Mission at the end of each episode. So that's the best way to like sort of enter into my world is start with the Style Masterclass podcast.
1: Yeah, they're really digestible for sure. I've noticed that. I'm like, oh, just go. I've already finished this one. I can go to the next one, and they're really like practical as well. Very direct and to the point, which is nice.
2: That's what that's what I love in a podcast. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to set out to create. So. So far, Mm -hmm. it's been good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, people, you're the. I can go either way. It depends on what I'm. If I'm like needing tips right here and there, and I find a podcast that's like, you know, actually, always. I don't like the podcasts that are. They have the title as this, and then they have a forty minute conversation before they get to the actual topic. I'm like. tell me what I need to know I don't care about it. unless I actually know the people then I'm like I don't care you know <laughs> so, yeah no, and but, I think um, we did that
2: successfully here like we jumped in and like full of golden nuggets for anybody so I, mm-hmm. I think we did our jobs well here like
1: and now we're having more of a casual conversation but <laughs> but yeah absolutely we gave you the goods first and now we're here but um anyway yeah so her podcast is great can recommend for sure and where else can they find you
2: yeah, you can go to my website, uh, judithgaton.com and just play around with any of the buttons there. There's podcasts, things you can <laughs> listen to, and there's a really quick like eight minute little video course about bullshit fashion rules and how to overcome them. So that's another place you could head out. So that's j u d i t h g a t o n J-U-D-I-T-H-G-A-T-O-N.com.
1: Nice. When you said play around, playing around with buttons, I just imagine someone being like, click here, click here, like not even (laughs) looking at the words, just clicking randomly. Be like, whoa, where are we going? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) be funny. But yeah, absolutely, go check her out. Um, Her Instagram is great too, uh, and her website is very easy to navigate. I must say as well. For anyone that has like complicated websites out there. So thank you so much for being on the show, Judith. I almost like said, this was a great Good conversation.
2: Good <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. I enjoyed it too. And I think a lot of people take something from it.
2: Good. I hope so. Thank you so much. Hey! If you like this episode, you have to come check out
0: the Binge Breakers Recovery Course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone, and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com/recovery-course.